you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Tonight, we're going to talk about Pastor Shane Vaughn being revealed as a charlatan who was, as it turns out, convicted of fraud before he became a famous pastor. Surprised? Pastor Hank Kuhneman showing his true colors about the LGBT community. Michael Flynn saying the quiet part out loud. He's full QAnon Christian nationalist now. We're also going to listen to voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the phone number is 1-800-701-8573. That's 1-800-701-8573. Also, I set up a new email address. If you guys want to send me an email rather than a voicemail, you can do that at telltalemailbag at gmail.com. In case you haven't noticed, I'm sick. I apologize for my voice. I do not have COVID. I took two tests uh, 24 hours apart. They were both negative. It's just a cold. I'm hoping to be over it soon. I don't know if you guys heard or not, but uh, Vice Rhino, my my colleague and my friend, he's another YouTuber. He lost his wife the other night. Some tragic shit, man. Some real tragic shit. She had a stroke. And died. I, I don't want to make this about me because it's not. But she was a very close friend to my wife, Rose. And she was a close friend to me, too. Not as close, because I didn't talk to her directly as often. But they played Dungeons & Dragons every week together. Rose and Vice Rhino's wife did. And it's just, God, it's fucking hard, man. It really fucking sucks. Just out of nowhere, she's my age, and she had a stroke. I'm so sorry that he has to go through this, that she had to go through that, and that their kids are dealing with this. When I heard, I knew that what he was going through couldn't be an easy situation, so I messaged him and asked him if I could do a guest video for him so he doesn't have to worry about working. He can worry about planning a fucking funeral, you know? He said yes, so I did a guest video for him right the day before my voice got all fucked up from getting sick. I recorded the video, and then I did some editing for it and sent it over to him, so that should be releasing this week. I think maybe the 19th it releases on his channel. Keep a lookout for it. I will shout it out on my channel when it comes out, because I'm pretty proud of the video. I think it's pretty good. I hope you guys would enjoy it, but I want you guys to go watch it on his channel if you get the time. My God, man, it's just so fucking sad. I can't stand it. I am so sorry for what he's dealing with right now, and his kids, too. I'm actually, I, I did a guest video for Vice Rhino. It's releasing on November 19th, I believe, on his channel. And I'm doing an extra clip in the podcast, too, tomorrow, so that he can have that extra clip to put on, too, so he can have... I bought him a week. I bought him a week off, basically, with the clip that I'm giving him from the podcast and the clip that I created a couple days ago. That bought him a week's time. And I know there are other YouTubers that are getting involved. Somebody else is organizing the guest video stuff. I don't know which other YouTubers are getting involved or when theirs are coming out or whatever, but he has mine, and he has my full support behind him. I'll do whatever it takes to help the dude out right now. So, Oh, and one more thing, just a PSA. 
if you guys want to donate to Vice Rhino, I asked him specifically, and he told me, you can donate to him if you'd like, but he had a good life insurance policy, so you don't have to worry about it. He's financially stable right now. Uh, that being said, you can, if you would like, donate to him on his link tree, which is, let me get the link real quick before we listen to the next voicemail, just in case. I saw the super chat, and I will make sure that the money gets to where it needs to go, but I'm uh, giving you guys a more direct way of doing it if you want to, so let's see here. Uh, give me a second to find it. I'll post it. This is a link to his link tree. You can do one-time donations there. Like I said, I appreciate the super chat, and I know that he will also appreciate that, and I will make sure it gets to where it needs to go. But if you guys want a more direct way to donate, you can do it there. He also wanted people to donate to this fundraiser that Mrs. Rhino had been working on for, like, you know, every single year around Christmas time, she worked on this fundraiser, and I think it had raised up to $6,000. It had a goal of 7000 or somewhere in there. So if you would prefer to donate to that instead, I know she would appreciate it. Out of curiosity, now I'm just, yeah, it had a goal of 7000 It reached 6000 um before she died. And now I'm wondering... How much it's at? What's it at? 24000 Holy fucking shit, dude. Holy shit. She would feel so honored that people did this. She would be going completely nuts over this. My God. I'm just so sorry and heartbroken over what happened. So sad. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hello, Owen. This is Chris from Texas again. I just wanted to ask you why Jehovah's Witnesses are so misanthropic. Like, how, how can they call themselves a loving organization when they're literally praying for the annihilation of anyone outside their culture? Like, they view billions of innocent people with their own families and dreams as just worthless and disposable. It's just insane to me how they can believe something so psychotic and hateful. I wouldn't wish that stuff on anyone at all. So, yeah, thank you for your work, and have a nice day. Yeah, I appreciate that. This is kind of the result of people having an objective morality, if you will. The idea that they get their morality from the Bible, and the Bible gets it from God directly, and God defines what morality is, so he can't be immoral. We can look at these ideas that Jehovah's Witnesses propose and see that they are terrible and disgustingly immoral, but they default to God's belief in morality or God's view of morality. That is why, in my opinion, objective morality is so incredibly dangerous. You have these evangelicals or extremist groups or cults like Jehovah's Witnesses, Scientology, things like that. Let me erase Scientology from that because they have their own complicated views of morality. But Jehovah's Witnesses and evangelicals and groups like that, they subscribe to this idea of objective morality. You can't have morality without the Bible. And along with that bizarre belief, 
comes a bunch of really specific implications. Like, for example, the idea that there isn't a single moral person in China or the Middle East or Russia or places like that. If they are moral, then it's only by happenstance because they haven't read the Bible. They haven't read this supposed guide to morality, to objective morality. That is just one of the bizarre implications that comes along with the idea of objective morality. But Jehovah's Witnesses don't think that far ahead. None of it makes any sense when you start poking holes in it. All they care about is living up to what their leaders have told them is the truth, which is that everybody who isn't a Jehovah's Witness deserves to die. And by the way, the reason that they justify that to themselves or the method they use to justify that to themselves is they say that before the end comes, everybody will have an opportunity to join the religion. Everybody will have heard the name Jehovah's Witnesses at the very least and rejected it. That's their idea. That's their belief. So if you die in Armageddon, it means you rejected Jehovah's Witnesses and you deserve it. That's how they get there. Hey, Owen, this is Hannah. I'm from New York, and I was just curious how the Jehovah's Witnesses select new um, elder members for the Watchtower Society. Is that even something that they share publicly, or is it very hush-hush? And, you know, what kind of criteria do you have to meet if it is public information? That sort of thing. Thanks. Bye. I don't know that they list the process anywhere specifically, but it's definitely culturally ingrained. If you are a Jehovah's Witness, then you understand how this process works. It may be listed in some magazine somewhere that I'm just unaware of, but they have a very strict hierarchy. They have the, the normal members, and then they have ministerial servants, and above ministerial servants, they have elders, okay? And the elders are kind of like the line managers, if you will, and the ministerial servants are like the assistant managers. So the elders will go around and, and they'll host service groups, they'll hold disfellowshipping committees, like judicial committees, what they call it, they will manage the finances and all of the other stuff. They're the people who make sure that things get done at the kingdom hall. The elders are the highest ranking people at each kingdom hall. There's the presiding overseer. He's one of the elders. In fact, he's the top elder at that kingdom hall. They call him the presiding overseer. Above the presiding overseer, they have traveling overseers, if you will, basically like district managers. They call them circuit overseers. And they assign a new circuit overseer to a new circuit like once every year, I think. In that year, they will travel to each kingdom hall multiple times and they'll give talks and they'll work with the elders and they'll talk to them about what's going on. If a new elder needs to be appointed, I believe, don't quote me on this, I think the circuit overseer is the one who puts the rubber stamp down and says, okay, I approve this guy to be a new elder. Above the circuit overseer is the district overseer. 
and he works directly with the circuit overseers. He talks to them about what's going on in their congregations. He gives them supplies if they need it. He gives them the car that they use to travel from place to place, makes sure that their bills are paid, although it usually falls on the kingdom halls. But if the kingdom halls don't have the money for it, then the district overseer will talk to like the higher-ups in the branches and, and make it happen. I think once you get above district overseer, now you're dealing with people that work at the headquarters, like Bethel. In fact, the district overseers themselves may work at the headquarters. Once you get to that level, I'm a little bit hazy on how the, the actual structure works up until you get to the governing body level, and then I have a, a lot more of a clear idea of how it operates. But anyways, that's kind of how it works generally. Elders are appointed by circuit overseers who travel from Kingdom Hall to Kingdom Hall. I hope that answered your question. Hey, Owen, it's Jared from Massachusetts. Um, so I was just really curious. I play D&D at a friend's house every week, but he, uh, his mother's an active practicing Jehovah's Witness, and it's from all the videos I've watched of yours, it it just doesn't make sense why he's allowed to have us over or anything like that. I know he doesn't practice, but then why wouldn't he be shunned? I'm just really confused and was hoping you could help enlighten me a bit. Thank you. It depends on the Jehovah's Witness family. It depends on the congregation heavily and things like that. In my congregation, I was allowed to play Pokemon, but I wasn't allowed to watch Harry Potter or read the books, for example. There are some things, little things, that some congregations can do, but others can't. Mostly trivial things like that. I can't imagine a congregation, any congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses, would be okay with Dungeons and Dragons. That is, I believe, explicitly banned. I could be wrong on that point, but I can imagine certain people within that congregation being a little less bent out of shape about it than others. Some of the elders in my congregation had kids, and they started playing Pokemon, and my parents were like, well, who fucking cares? I mean, it's just a game. Let them play Pokemon. So they were a little bit less bent out of shape over Pokemon, but... Other congregations in my district, if they had known I was playing Pokemon, they would have lost their collective shit over it. Dungeons and Dragons, I can see that being on the back burner of things to be upset about, if it was your friend's mom. I think she's probably more upset over the fact that he isn't trying to be a Jehovah's Witness at all. And as far as not being shunned goes, generally their rule is if you haven't been disfellowshipped, then they won't shun you. If you have dedicated your life to the religion, no matter how old you were when you made that dedication, even eight years old, and then you turn around and leave it, that's when you're allowed to be shunned. In fact, that's when it's mandated that you're shunned. But there's no actual mandate to shun if they didn't get baptized. So your friend's mom is most likely, I'm guessing, not a strong member of the of the the kingdom hall i'm guessing she's not a strong member of the kingdom hall if she was a strong member then her kid would be baptized and heavily involved in the religion at the very least heavily involved and he certainly wouldn't play dungeons and dragons i'm guessing they're kind of on the outskirts of it a little bit but that's just a guess i don't know him at all so take that for what you will when we come back, we're going to talk about Pastor Shane Vaughn being revealed as a charlatan who was, as it turns out, convicted of fraud before he became a famous pastor. Surprise? 
Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. I wanted to talk a little bit about who this guy is, who Shane Vaughn is. I put a clip compilation together of a few of his more interesting takes just to give you an idea of who he is. And then we'll talk about the newer clips that came out recently. So this is a clip from early September 2021. Around this time, Donald Trump had been banned from Facebook and Shane Vaughn was basically trying to find a way to work for Trump, to, to make this work to his benefit in some way. He was morally outraged, righteous indignation, if you will, at the fact that Trump was banned from Facebook for this short time. So let's give this clip a watch from Shane Vaughn, early September 2021. See what he had to say. Thousand patriots to become reporters for Donald Trump get his words out there since they wanted to be so smart that they wound up being stupid because they made the same mistake that Satan made when he killed Jesus Christ. Hmm. Isn't that an interesting comparison? Shane Vaughn just compared Donald Trump to Jesus. Isn't that fucking weird? All of these evangelical pastors continue to compare Trump to Jesus. What the fuck is going on here? By killing that one man and killing his voice, he created a world full of little Christians that echo the message of Christ. See? Stupid on the devil's part. The Bible says, had Satan known what was going to happen, he would never have crucified Jesus Christ. Because what he did was he started a harvest of Christians that echo the message. He only had one man to deal with. Now he's got a whole population full of us. Okay, let me give you a, a, a little secret here, Shane. I'll tell you this. You seem to be of the opinion that cancel culture always works against you. If somebody is canceled or deplatformed or whatever, it only makes them stronger. I hate to tell you this, for better or worse, deplatforming and canceling work. They actually do. Milo Yiannopoulos was successfully deplatformed and effectively canceled, and the dude is basically broke as shit. Nobody talks about him anymore. He has since been de-deplatformed by the right because now he's on like true news and stuff so he's been coming up in the news a little bit more lately since his last faux pas kind of blew over if you will but deplatforming and canceling actually do work and if you just put a second of thought into this to realize that's why people get so upset over it when they're canceled or deplatformed you would realize that it works I'm not saying I'm in favor of deplatforming. I'm not saying I'm not in favor of it. I'm just saying deplatforming and canceling work, except for very narrow, specific cases like 
the supposed canceling or deplatforming of Jesus Christ, I guess, that one specific example you gave is kind of one of the only ones that really fits this situation. Alex Jones lost a ton of his followers when he was kicked off of Spotify and YouTube and, you know, iTunes and all the other stuff. Deplatforming works for better or worse. But the comparison to Jesus, comparing Donald Trump to Jesus, that that comparison was not lost on me. Let's keep listening. Same thing they're doing with Trump. Let him crucify him. But we're now the echo and we're going to put it on every page, every Twitter account, everything we got now because the oversight board didn't rule that we couldn't share Trump content. It's allowed on Facebook for now anyway. So take advantage of it. Once again, I just want to point out how fucking strange it is that he's continuing to compare Donald Trump to Jesus. I just want to make note of that. I'm ordaining all of you right now as evangelists of the Trump revival. The Trump revival? Seriously, does it get any more on the nose than this? I think it only gets more on the nose if you say that we're going to start using BT and AT before Trump and after Trump instead of B.C. and A.D., before Christ and after death. And then the Lord progressively began to speak regarding that, and he said, this time in the presidency is going to be a hinge of the ages, and you'll be known as before Trump and after Trump because of the way I'm going to use him. I'm using wow. him as a Trump card, but I'm the Trump card player. That is as on the nose as it gets. Dude is talking about the Trump revival. They view him as a messiah. I'm ordaining all of you right now as evangelists of the Trump revival. If that didn't convince you, I really don't know what will. In this next clip, he had some interesting shit to say. This one came out recently, mid-November 2021. In this clip, he's talking about the origins of Easter, and it has some really interesting parallels to modern-day stuff. Check it out. They would take one child and sacrifice that child to Baal. And then they would take the eggs and dye it in the blood yeah. of that child. I just want to point out, I don't know that anything that he's saying here is accurate about the origins of Easter. I, I'm extremely skeptical. I, I haven't heard a word about this. I mean, I know about the origins of Easter because I grew up Jehovah's Witness and they talked about all this stuff a lot. They talked about how it was pagan and blah, blah, blah. I haven't heard a fucking word about, you know, sacrificing kids and all that other stuff. But here he is bringing it up. Maybe it's true, but I, I'm extremely skeptical right off the bat. If somebody knows for sure that, like, there's some story about Baal and Easter and all that stuff, please put it in the comments and I'll pin the comment in this clip. But, um... I'm, I am skeptical. Let's keep listening. That's where dying Easter eggs comes from. That's why the official Easter egg color is red. Is it? I, I didn't know that. I hadn't heard that the official Easter egg color was red. This is news to me. Go look at the White House Easter egg every year. It's ruby red, the color of the blood of the children. What does this parallel? Is there some kind of a story that we know that we've heard in recent years that's eerily similar to this you guys may not know this story but in the QAnon belief system they have this idea that there's this 
thing called adrenochrome, right? The QAnon belief system is that when you scare somebody, they have adrenaline pumping through their blood, right? And you've got this stuff called adrenochrome in their blood. And if you drink this, or if you consume the adrenochrome, it gives you like a high, it's like a drug. But it only works if it's kids producing the adrenaline. So they'll basically, you know, attack these people for lack of a better term, and they'll drink the adrenochrome. That's the idea behind it. QAnon actually claimed to have a video of Hillary Clinton doing this, and they got real specific about where they got that video, and it's just complete nonsense from beginning to end. It's complete bullshit. But, you know, that doesn't stop them. I find it fascinating that this guy is now drawing this parallel between the QAnon belief about adrenochrome and Easter. This is a disturbingly similar story, right? Eggs are the symbol of what? Fertility. That's why I told you this story is a sex story. People get so uncomfortable when I say it, but you don't get uncomfortable when you celebrate it. You just don't want the truth coming in your face. You want to hide behind it. Eggs is all about uh, having babies. And we know what makes that. The whole religion of Satan is perversion. And God's Holy Ghost Church is right in there with him. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. Let me just step back a second. Amplify this sound. See if you can hear what this dude's saying. They got the holy homos. That's what they got. They've got the holy what? I think we know exactly what kind of church this is. What kind of person this guy is. And what kind of people he has at his church. Churches in this town, every one of them, Easter egg hunting their children's out there, rolling them bunch of eggs, celebrating the sexuality. Dude lives in a delusion. And by the way, in case you didn't know, he is full-blown QAnon. There's another story that I just so happened to stumble upon about this guy. Title of this is Preacher slash Insurance Agent Faces Fraud Charges. This is on WAFB.com. And there's another story about the dude on insurancejournal.com about the exact same thing. Louisiana agent accused of insurance and bank fraud. I wanted to give this article a read and see what it says. The Louisiana Department of Insurance says a Baton Rouge agent has been served with two cease and desist orders and two fine notices for alleged insurance fraud, bank fraud, issuing worthless checks, filing false public records, felony theft, and identity theft. John Shane Vaughn, a.k.a. Aiden Bryce Adams, was served on February 1st, 2010 with the C&D orders, cease and desist orders, and two $50,000 fine notices. He was arrested by the Louisiana State Police Insurance Fraud and Auto Theft Unit on May 29th, 2009, and booked in the Livingston Parish Jail on one count of identity theft, one count of bank fraud, four counts of issuing worthless checks, and one count of felony theft. He was then booked into Jefferson Parish Prison on one count of identity theft, one count of bank fraud, and one count of felony theft. He was further booked into East Baton Rouge Prison on two counts of filing false public records, one count of identity theft, and two counts of insurance fraud. 
Vaughn is alleged to have stolen the identity of Aiden Adams and filed false public documents by submitting a fraudulent pre-licensing certificate and a fraudulent insurance producer application to the Department of Insurance. He's also alleged to have presented a materially false driver's license and social security number to obtain his agent appointment with a life insurance company, written an annuity policy secured by a worthless check in the amount of $212,000, holy shit, and intentionally misappropriated fraudulently obtained premiums. My God, this guy dug himself a hole. Department records show that John Shane Vaughn was issued a life accident and health license in January 2003, which was valid until the current action. Aiden Bryce Adams, which is his alias, I guess, was issued a life accident and health license in November 2007, which lapsed in 2008. Vaughn, a.k.a. Adams, has 30 days from the time of notice to file a written demand for an administrative hearing to contest the regulatory action taken against him by the Department of Insurance. Oh my god, this guy got himself in a world of trouble. That is a big fucking deal. This is John Shane Vaughn, East Baton Rouge Parish Sheriff's Office. This is his mugshot. This is mugshot number two, Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. Mugshot number three, Louisiana State Police. Yeah. So we know what kind of person we're dealing with in Shane Vaughn, to say the least. He is obviously... Seems obvious to me anyways. A scam artist. That brings us neatly to the most recent things that he's had to say. Uh, he just came out and had some interesting things to say uh, November 2021 uh, in a couple different clips. So let's give these clips a watch and see what he said for himself. Every signer of our Declaration of Independence, every one of them were descendants of the tribes of Israel. Uh, what? Is there any proof for that at all? Is he just laying that out there? I mean, he's saying it so confidently. Does he know it? Is he going to give us a documentation? Is he a historian? Or is he just pretending to be a historian like he was pretending to be a life insurance agent? You know what? Y'all might as well be seated because it looks like I'm going to preach these verses. Please do. Instead of read them. Every single descendant that signed our declaration were Israelites. Somebody say with me, America was a church before she was a nation. Then how's your fool in going to separate church from the state when we were born as a church? That's simply inaccurate. The founding fathers specifically, intentionally put safeguards in to prevent church and state from getting too intermingled. People came to America for religious freedom back then because they didn't like the fact that they were kind of having the church crammed down their throat in their old countries. He is going against the principles laid out by the founding fathers when they came to this country and formed a government in the first place. He is going against what they wanted directly against it. Thomas Jefferson specifically wrote letters to Danbury Church about this exact subject, saying that the government would stay out of church business and vice versa because Danbury Church was worried about it. They were worried about the government coming in and trying to tell them what they were allowed to preach, what they were allowed to talk about, that kind of thing. 
And Thomas Jefferson said, hey, don't worry about it. We will stay separate. It's very clear. It's in the Constitution. None of that matters to him, though. What matters is his narrative, his belief system, that he's trying to cram down people's throats with no evidence. Saying that the U.S. was a church? Saying that the Founding Fathers were Israelites? Where is this even coming from? Now, this is Christian nationalism, by the way. I, I don't know if you guys like picked it out or recognized it right off the bat, but yeah, that's what Christian nationalism is, and we've got a lot more Christian nationalism to cover tonight. There's another clip by uh, old Shane Vaughn here. Let's give this one a listen, see what he had to say. This one was from around the same time frame, early November 2021. And he wrote down, wow. we are going, he wrote a course, to new Israel, new Israel, new Israel. And when they came off the ship, they didn't plant an American flag. They planted the Christian flag mm -hmm. on the soil. They dedicated. George Washington knelt and prayed. He's just repeating the same garbage from the last clip in a new venue. He seems to be like trying to go around to different venues and convince different audiences that they were Israelites that came here. Why Israelites anyways? Like Christianity existed at the time, right? Like when they came over to America, Christianity had existed for a good thousand years, 1500 years by the time they arrived in America. Like George Washington and everything as he's saying. What is he even talking about? He's just completely made this shit up. Dedicated America where the Twin Towers stand or stood, that's where America came into covenant with Yahweh, with God, was where the Twin Towers stand. Wow. Ain't that something? That is a tall claim. The Twin Towers is where Yahweh created a covenant with America, with George Washington. He is legit trying to make these people into religious figures, like George Washington and, and others, seemingly. That is unhinged shit right there. And it prayed, right? There's a chapel right outside the Twin Towers where George Washington, that picture of him praying by the horse, that's where it happened. Okay, that, that, there's, it's true that there's a chapel outside the Twin Towers. I believe it's called St. Paul's Chapel. I've got, I've got a book here. It's called, it's called Blue Guide New York, okay? And it is everything you would ever need to know about New York City from beginning to end. Everything. It's but what it's 600 something pages pretty extensive now uh, he's mentioning the chapel outside the twin towers i have read most of this book not all of it so i actually know what he's talking about i know it's saint paul's chapel uh, let me see if i can find that page real quick saint peter's church saint paul's chapel there it is saint paul's chapel one of the campus's most beautiful buildings, St. Paul's Chapel, was donated by Olivia Eggleston Phelps Stokes and Caroline Phelps Stokes, wow, that's a long name, as a memorial to their parents with the stipulation that it be designed by their nephew, Isaac Newton Phelps Stokes. God, that name, four different names, that's crazy. At the time, a young and relatively untried architect was the first building at Columbia not designed by McKim, Mead, and White. Though, as a compromise, that firm acted as consulting architect. Stokes is also remembered for his six-volume history, The Iconography of Manhattan Island, 1915-28. to St. Paul's is shaped like a short Latin cross with a portico on the west, semicircular apes on the east, and a dome over the crossing. So many things wrong 
with this dude's description of that event. I don't even know where to start with it. That's where he dedicated our nation in covenant to God. If you will make us a great nation, deliver us from tyranny, then we will serve you. And he gave the nation to God at that point. What year was that? Can you tell me that, Shane Vaughn? What year did all that go down? Was that 1492 when Columbus was you know, trying to come over to the Americas? Was that the late 1700s when the government was officially forming and, and when the Revolutionary War was taking place and when George Washington actually became the president? I mean, when was that exactly? Which time frame are you telling me George Washington sailed over on the Mayflower and then knelt in front of St. Paul's Church? I'm really not sure. Every signer of the Declaration of Independence were descendants of the tribes of Israel. Israel. We can trace it. We know it. If we can trace it, give me the data, man. You can't just say we can trace it and then walk away from the conversation. We need to know more. I was a doctor of theology. I was the youngest ordained evangelist in America at 14 years old. Wow. I am extremely skeptical about that claim. A doctor of theology? Is that what he said? He was a doctor of theology. Sure enough, he was a doctor of theology. I was the youngest ordained evangelist in America at 14 years old. And the youngest ordained minister in America at 14 years old. I'm going to need a little evidence for that. I am extremely skeptical about pretty much every single word that came out of this guy's mouth since we started watching these clips. Wow. I've lived for the Lord my whole life. And I was dumb as a box of rocks and didn't know it. Really? You didn't know it? I find it so interesting when pastors like kind of insult themselves like that. There's one more pastor I know of who insulted himself like that. I'm dumb than a box of rocks in a lot of areas. <laughs> That's Greg Locke. Thank you, Greg Locke. I appreciate the input. Facebook just makes people think I'm smart. No, I don't think so. At 40 years old, because I thought that a Jew meant Israel and an Israel meant Jew. Until I started studying my Bible, and I found out that the first mention of the word Jew in the Bible is them fighting against Israel. In case you didn't catch on, he has a history of just straight up lying to people, claiming things that are blatantly untrue, that he has no data to back up, and it's real outlandish shit, too. Like, real outlandish shit. And he doesn't even seem to care, not to mention his legal problems in the past. Now, far be it for me to judge somebody for past legal issues. I've had some of my own. I was a drug addict. I've talked about that on stream before. I've had my own legal issues. But when you continue on to scam people out of money your entire life like this, I mean, we've got to recognize a pattern here. And this wasn't a, a simple, what's the term I'm looking for? This wasn't a crime of poverty, if you will. It's not a crime that you do because you're poor and you need money. What he was doing, this was him basically trying to scam hundreds of thousands of dollars out of people. Like, that is bizarre. I, I have no idea how he got out of that situation in the first place, but... Dude went on to be a pastor. I mean, it, it takes all kinds to be pastors, I guess, right? When we come back, we're going to talk about Pastor Hank Kuneman showing his true colors about the LGBT community. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. 
you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Hank Kuhneman. Now, I've talked about him a few times, but I want to give you guys a little bit of a lead up into who he is before we hit the latest clip that he released. And his latest clip is pretty rough. It's about the LGBT community naturally being an evangelical extremist pastor who calls himself a prophet of God. He doesn't really view the LGBT community favorably, naturally. So we'll get there. Let's just talk about who he is first. I wanted to watch this clip. This one came out in late August. He's one of the people who straight up prophesied that God was going to put Donald Trump in the White House again in 2020. And of course, that turned out to be wrong, obviously. And gloriously, I fucking eat this shit up when they get this stuff wrong. I just fucking love covering this stuff. Anyways, let's watch this clip of him getting real upset over the fact that he was wrong about one of his prophecies. This was late August 2021. Check it out. President Trump, it's clearly evident that he won the election. Anybody with a brain can see on the night of the election he was winning by a clear indication that that's where the election was going. Why in hell, it's not a cuss word, I'm talking about a location and an agenda, why would you stop everything? Okay, let me just stop you there. No, you were swearing. That's what you were doing. He knows he was swearing. Why would he say a swear right in front of his entire congregation like that? What a ridiculous fallback for saying a swear. Just admit what you did. I don't even care that he swore. It makes no difference to me. But his congregation should. And look, they're laughing. Why would you stop everything? You see this dude down here, bottom right corner, chuckling away. Why would you stop everything? Even clapping. Okay, Prophet says a swear in front of his entire congregation. Look, I'm getting hung up, I'm sorry, getting hung up on the details here. I just, I think it's something that we should make note of at the very least. Let's continue. And have a guy who is supposed to be our, he's our pretendant, number 46 gets up and starts announcing that he won when the numbers at that time didn't reflect it oh i love it so he's saying joe biden came out and prematurely announced a win it was days later after all of the votes had been counted or the the majority it was enough votes that had been counted to reasonably call it but you know who did call victory on election night Donald Trump did. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. I find it so interesting that he's picking at Joe Biden for declaring victory prematurely when Donald Trump literally declared victory on election night, like days before Joe Biden did. Rules for thee and not for me. He won when the numbers at that time didn't reflect it. And then after he makes that announcement, which was the clarion call, they did it because they got nervous because all of their Dominion machines were messing up. 
that they stop the election. Who who does that? Okay, I I have no idea what he's talking about. They stop the election. I mean, I mean, he's just throwing in every traditional election conspiracy theory that he possibly can right now. Okay, get a brain. Do you really think that there's not an agenda? Get a brain. Why did they try so many times to impeach this guy? Maybe because he broke the fucking law. Maybe because he did shit that was impeachment worthy. Did you ever consider that as a possibility? Because the devil doesn't want this man to represent us. And it's obvious by what's happening in Afghanistan. Come on. No, I think the devil does want Donald Trump to represent us. I actually released a video recently making an argument that Donald Trump is the Antichrist. Now, I say this in the video. I'm an atheist. I have no dog in this fight. I don't give a shit. I don't believe in God or the Antichrist or any of that shit. But if I did, I would think that the Antichrist was Donald Trump, without a doubt. So, yeah, I, I think it's the exact opposite of that. The devil wants Donald Trump to be president. Wake up! And all the other things that are happening in the nation. Open borders. Are you here? So what happens is we, whether you believe the prophets, don't believe the prophets, could care less, you voted for the other guy or you voted. The bottom line is we need the rightful president in position of power. We need that settled. Well, guess what? It's been settled by the court of law. It's been it's gone through a bunch of different court systems. There were like a ton of lawsuits. This has been settled for a while. How many audits have there been? These guys have had like 16 fucking audits at this point. Even in states that Trump won. Why? And guess what? None of them showed voter fraud orchestrated by the Democrats. Planned from the top down. I mean, you get the odd guy here or there who voted in his dad's name by mistake, or even intentionally. I mean, there's that occasional thing. But Donald Trump specifically asked his voters to vote twice in North Carolina, if you remember. 600,000 people could vote by absentee in this state. Are you, are you confident in that system? Well, they'll go out and they'll vote, and they're going to have to go and check their vote by going to the poll and voting that way because... Uh, if it if it uh, tabulates, then they won't be able to do that. So let them send it in and let them go vote. And if their system's as good as they say it is, then obviously they won't be able to vote. If it isn't tabulated, they'll be able to vote. So that's the way it is. Joe Biden and the Democrats never asked for or wanted any voter fraud. And there is no evidence that there was any voter fraud from the Democrats or inspired by the Democrats or orchestrated by them or any of that stuff. But they can't give it up. They can't give it up no matter how many audits they have. They can't give it up. Here's why we need it settled. If it's not settled, then can you really ever trust in the future? Quit talking 2022, people. Some of you politicians that watch me, quit talking 2022 if you won't fight for 2020 what do you want them to do seriously i mean what what are you expecting these republican politicians to do even the ones that support trump and and talk shit about you know election fraud and all that stuff like josh hawley w what is he gonna do he has no authority or power to do anything this is kind of a veiled threat that hank kuneman is laying on us right now or not us but laying on politicians don't talk about 2022 
unless you're going to talk about 2020. If you continue to do that and don't fall in line behind Donald Trump, then I'm going to tell my congregation not to vote for you. And you may think that these guys are afraid of the Johnson Amendment, you know, losing tax-exempt status, but it seems obvious to me he's not afraid of talking politics in church. This isn't the only instance of it either. His wife, Brenda Kuhneman, actually came on stage a while back and talked about how the Johnson Amendment is wrong and how church and state should be one, Christian nationalist stuff, of course. It's not just a political thing. I hear people say, oh, you guys are just propping up a person and Trump and all of that. And I'm like, no, we're propping up what what he has stood for. We're, we're just simply getting behind what a man chose to stand for. We have a, a president, a real president, who has stood more for the body of Christ and his church to be liberated. In my lifetime, he's the only president that even dared challenge the lying Johnson Amendment that intimidated pastors behind their pulpit. And I'm just here to prophesy in this room and to everybody that's watching, those days are over. We're not gonna be intimidated. I don't care what they said about what amendment. We're not gonna be intimidated. We are gonna do what God has called us to do. So he's not afraid of shit. He's willing to go the full mile and ride it into the ground, risk tax-exempt status. He doesn't care. He just wants... Joe Biden out of office and Donald Trump in. Unfortunately for him, that's not how the Republic of the United States really works. That's not how the government of the United States operates. He's trying to get blood from a stone here. And they want you to ignore the fact that President Trump really did win by a landslide and it's proven it's going to continue to be proven. Arizona's coming out with it. Oh, since this released, Arizona came out with their results. And of course, actually, Joe Biden got more votes after the audit than they thought he had. He got all of the electoral votes that we originally expected him to get. That's just what it is. I know you don't like that, but that's what it is. Now, if you have solid evidence of some kind of a voter shenaniganery or whatever, give it to us. Present it in court. Sue people. Show it to everybody. Oh, you don't have any evidence? Of course you don't. You just want to sit here and complain about it. There's one more section to this same clip I wanted to watch. Give this a listen. If you ignore it, if you ignore it, then it's saying that they can get by with anything. What next? They're already trying to force a vaccination that they don't even know if it works. What next? Shut your churches down? Take your kids out of your home? Your wife? Put you in a concentration camp? Who knows? I know they're going to they're gonna really mess with that one. I didn't say that's what they're going to do. That's why you've got to stand up, 81 million of you. Stand up. You know, dude's got a point here. We should be pretty concerned about the fact that there are, give or take, around 81 million evangelicals in the United States. It is a massive fucking voting block. A massive voting block. You can't run as a Republican in the United States without appealing to the evangelical voting block. That should raise our eyebrows at the very least. 
should be concerning to us. And all this hyperbole about all the, you know, this doomsday stuff that's going to happen to us. What are they going to do to us next? The guy's full of nonsense. He's He's been full of nonsense since day one. And by the way, he's actually pretty close friends with Kenneth Copeland. He's on Kenneth Copeland's TV show Flashpoint all the time. Anyway, that brings us cleanly to our next clip. This one came out mid-November 2021. He just wanted to lay things out, put it on the line, make sure everybody understood exactly where he stands on the LGBT community. So let's listen and see what he says. They all think if you stand for righteousness that you're a, you're a freak. And by righteousness, when he says when you stand for righteousness, what he means is hate gay people. They're all trying to tell you that there are certain things that are clean. And God calls them abominations. Can I give you an example? Please do. Homosexuality. Lesbianism. According to God, New Testament, Old Testament, is and was an abomination. Okay, interesting. New Testament and Old Testament, he says, huh? Lesbianism specifically, he says, New Testament and Old Testament? Let's find out. There are six verses in the Bible that reference homosexuality. Genesis 19, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. This has been held up as cautionary tale about the sinfulness of homosexuality. However, many scholars point to Ezekiel 16:49 as indicating that the cities were destroyed by God for not helping the poor and needy. Some also say the sinful sex occurring in Sodom and Gomorrah was, which means it doesn't apply to teachings on consensual same-sex relationships. Leviticus 18.22 and 20.13. The book of Leviticus in the Old Testament has two references condemning homosexuality. Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman, that is detestable. And if a man lies with a man as he lies with a woman, both of them have done what is detestable. They must be put to death. Their blood will be upon their own heads. But we knew that the Old Testament kind of talked about this a little bit already, right? So the New Testament is what I'm really interested in. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10, and 1 Timothy 1, 10. Paul writes in Corinthians, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. In Timothy, Paul writes, the law is for people who are sexually immoral or who practice homosexuality or slave traders, liars, promise breakers, blah, blah, blah. According to the article, in both passages, there is debate about the terms now translated as referring to gays. The ambiguous word is often translated sodomites, but there's no equivalent in Greek or Hebrew, said Mary Rose D'Angelo, a, bi a biblical scholar at Notre Dame. The word means something like softy and refers to liking sex too much. Even assuming that Paul's referring to homosexuality in these passages, there's dispute about exactly what he's condemning and why. Here's the thing about it. The Bible does mention this stuff in a few places, I could make a pretty solid argument that it's not specifically conde condemning homosexuality, but this is the route I'll take anyways. The Bible specifically, explicitly says, love your neighbor as yourself, don't judge lest ye be judged, a bunch of other shit like that. The thing about the Bible is, it's thousands of pages long, it's 66 books written across thousands of years, it is impossible to not cherry-pick. If you have a pre-existing belief about the Bible, you can justify it with verses 
from the Bible. You can justify your pre-existing beliefs. When I hear somebody like, like Hank Kuhneman coming out and saying homosexuality is wrong, the Bible says so, blah, blah, blah. Hey, get down, kitty. Get. Shoot. Get. He's getting on the counter. When I hear somebody like Hank Kuhneman coming out and condemning homosexuality, claiming the Bible says that it's wrong, it's really more of a reflection of what's inside than what's in the Bible. You can justify anything with the Bible. Another reason why using the Bible as a source of objective morality is fucking absurd. You go into the Bible with preconceived notions of what's right and wrong, and you justify those ideas with what you find there. You justify them with specific verses. So who really hates homosexuality, Hank Kuhneman? Is it the Bible or is it you? Well, why is it an abomination? Because abomination means disgusting. They asked, a, they asked Lester Summerall one time to come and debate at a, at a place where there was a homosexual panel and audience. Debate why homosexuality is okay. And so Lester Summerall said, well, he said, I only got one thing. And, and they said, what? What's your one thing? And they're thinking he's going to go down the scriptures. He said, I just want you to describe to us uh, how you men have, is there any little kids in here, how you, how you uh, come together. And they ended it. Why? Because that's a complete scumbag move? Why don't you sit there and describe what you do with your wife? I'm not really seeing, like, the hang-up or the disconnect here. What's the problem? And sadly, I'm going to have to cut this out of the clip because that's an insult, and I have a moral aversion to insulting people. But that was definitely a scumbag move, and there is really no basis for it. There, uh, He thinks he got him in some gotcha moment. There's no gotcha moment there. Would you like to describe what you do with your wife in the privacy of your bedroom? No? Why would you expect them to? And what point would it even prove? I'm not seeing it. They didn't want to discuss it. Because they know that's disgusting. You hear the people in the background? That's right, freaks, come on. Sodom and Gomorrah, where do you get sodomy from? Sodom and Gomorrah were punished by God for their ill treatment of the poor. That is widely understood because they have to find justifications for their hatred. That's why they continue going back to that. It's because they have to find justifications. Even if it comes to making shit up, that's what they'll do. You can use the Bible to justify any moral position you have. Any moral position. Any position at all. You want the Bible to back you up on some point. You want the Bible to prove that aliens are real and they're out there? I'm sure there's a verse out there for it. You want the Bible to disprove the existence of aliens? I'm sure there's a verse for that too. There's a verse for anything, for any belief that you want to fortify, to reinforce. There's a verse there for it. I find it fascinating that he fell on the anti-LGBT side of this rather than the pro-LGBT side. It tells me a whole hell of a lot more about him than it tells me about the Bible. When we come back, we're going to talk about Michael Flynn saying the quiet part out loud. He's full QAnon Christian nationalist now. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. 
you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Michael Flynn. Now, I probably should have covered him a long time ago, but I didn't really feel like he was on the forefront of my attention up until now. He has been desperately trying to ingrain himself in the QAnon movement, doing anything he possibly could. He's gone full-blown Christian nationalist at this point, in a new clip, which we're going to be talking about in a couple of minutes, but I want to give you guys a little bit of lead up into who he is since I've never covered him before. So let me take a look at a couple of articles about him and then we'll move on to the clips. This article is on rightwingwatch.org. It's titled Phyllis Schlafly Eagles Ed Martin tweets QAnon slogan. Basically, the article is about how this this person who I've never heard of before retweeted Michael Flynn tweeting out pro-QAnon stuff. They were using the where we go one, we go all hashtag, which is a QAnon slogan. And this guy retweeted Michael Flynn and said, marching order received, sir, onward. Hashtag where we go one, we go all. The reason I had to come all the way here instead of just going straight to Michael Flynn's tweets is because Michael Flynn got caught up in the QAnon sweep when Twitter and Facebook and a bunch of other like you know websites banned a ton of QAnon accounts a while back. Not that long ago. A few months ago, I think. Uh, he got caught up in it because he has been trying to co-opt and control, to some degree, the QAnon movement. If you don't know who Michael Flynn is, it's this guy that's on screen now for the video listeners. He was a national security officer, I believe, national security chief for Obama and for Trump, I think. And he's also a four-star general. Serious shit. He's as high up in the military as you get, pretty much. An extremely important person. And Obama was suspicious that he was doing something that he wasn't supposed to be doing, like working with Turkey against the United States or without informing the United States at the very least. And he told Trump about that originally when they were transitioning power. He said to Trump, you know, you need to keep your eye on Flynn because there's something shady going on here. And what did Donald Trump do? He took Flynn under his wing. He embraced Flynn because guess what? Obama didn't like him. And then General Flynn was charged with treason? Here's an article on the BBC about what Flynn was charged with. It says, Flynn was among former aides to President Trump convicted during the special counsel's investigation into Russian election interference. He'd pleaded guilty in 2017 to lying to the FBI about contacts with Russia's ambassador to the U.S. Flynn had been seeking to withdraw his guilty plea. The Justice Department's decision also follows criticism of the case by President Trump and his supporters. Flynn, a retired Army three-star lieutenant general, 
left the White House in February 2017, just weeks after Mr. Trump was sworn in. He's a bad guy, needless to say. And he got pardoned by Donald Trump. Pardoned for something dangerously close to treason, if that's not exactly what it was. And after he was pardoned by Donald Trump, he started making his circuits around the QAnon circles, trying to heavily ingrain himself in QAnon. And if he could, seemingly, control the movement to the best of his ability. So he starts tweeting things out like, where we go one, we go all, the QAnon slogan, and, and making appearances at megachurch pastors' uh, churches and QAnon conferences all across the country. This is a clip from Kenneth Copeland, early August 2021. He had Michael Flynn come on his show at his conference that he held recently. Give this a watch. There are field grade officers, I'm not happy to say, that just are glad they have a lot of rank. What does that mean exactly? There are field grade officers that are just glad they have a lot of rank? I'm speculating, but I'm assuming what he's saying here is Flynn was being targeted by the deep state, supposedly, you know, quote unquote, and the only thing that saved him was his high rank? General Flynn is a soldier's soldier. General Flynn is the kind of man that will not ask a soldier, a slick sleeve like me, to do anything he wouldn't do. I would like for General Michael Flynn to join me on this platform, please. Let me give you a hug. Yes. Yeah, so that happened, and it was really fucking weird. Like, he had Michael Flynn come on his, come to his conference, basically, and, and give a talk and, and all this other stuff. That didn't end very well for Michael Flynn either, as we'll see in a minute. That was in August. All this past year, though, in all of 2021, he has spent his time trying to ingrain himself in the QAnon movement. And he seems to have been successful because they're basically hanging on his every word. February 2021, he goes on a program and he says this. Give it a listen. I'm just going to ask you some questions and I want you to just tell me if it's nonsense or if there was anything to it at all. Number, number one, did, did President Trump ever sign into action the Insurrection Act? No. Nonsense. It, nonsense. Is the United States military running the country or just doing, is that nonsense as well? More nonsense. These are QAnon claims, by the way. Good to hear. More nonsense. There's no plan. There's no, you know, people, there's so many people out there. Is the plan happening? There's no, I mean, we have what we have and we have to accept the, the situation as it is. It seems to me that he was kind of setting it up to, point the QAnon movement in a new direction and and try to get them to act on a different set of premises. There's no plan and there isn't going to be a storm unless you make the storm happen. 
That That's kind of the impression that I'm getting here. So how did the QAnon movement react to him saying that? There is an extremely high-ranking QAnon interpreter, if you will. Guy's name is Dave Hayes. He goes by the Praying Medic. And he's very high up in the QAnon interpretation field, if you will. Listen to his response to Flynn's appearance on that program just now. This is mid-February 2021, shortly after Flynn went on that show. Some people have heard the interview with General Flynn, where General Flynn said that there is no plan for the military to step in. Uh, I was listening to Monkey Works, and he interviewed a guy a couple days ago. And he, that guy also said, there is no plan for the military to step in and, and do anything. Well, I would like to suggest um, an alternative viewpoint on that. Before he suggests his alternative viewpoint, let me suggest a viewpoint. I suspect Flynn is just trying to get them to realize that if they want something to change, they're going to have to take physical action themselves. He's at least trying to point them in that direction. That's the impression that I get. I don't know that for sure. Like I said, speculation, but that's what it seems like to me. Now, obviously, there's no plan, quote unquote. The military is not controlling the United States or any of that shit. But these guys seem to refuse to accept that. So let's listen to Dave Hayes's alternative explanation for why Flynn would go on a program and say there is no plan. I would like to suggest um, an alternative viewpoint on that. Um, if, if the military had a plan to intervene in American politics and General Flynn was aware of it, I guarantee you he wouldn't tell anybody what he knew publicly for operational security. Operational security. Right. Totally. That that totally checks out. That makes sense. You don't think that maybe there just is no fucking plan? Like, wh what's it going to take to get it through your head that there's no plan? There's no storm coming. Dave Hayes, a praying medic, has on three separate occasions minimum made specific claims or prophecies, if you will, that the storm was coming. 2018, 2019, 2020, and again in 2021. Made those specific prophecies. And I use that word prophecy intentionally because the QAnon movement has religious elements in it and they seem to have they seem to believe they have special knowledge or access to special knowledge that no one else has access to. Flynn actually got himself in a little bit of hot water shortly after making an appearance on Kenneth Copeland's uh, show though. I guess you could say he he drew the ire of True News. I, I'm sure you guys probably remember True News and Rick Wiles, but just in case you don't remember Rick Wiles, let me just play a few seconds of a Rick Wiles clip for you, just as a little bit of a refresher so you remember who this guy is. This is Rick Wiles from True News. If they take him out, there's going to be violence in America. That's all there is to it. And when we say take him out, however he leaves, there's going to be violence in America. They're talking about Donald Trump, of course. And I believe... Um, there are people in this country, veterans, there are cowboys, mountain men, 
I mean guys that know how to fight. Okay? And they're going to make a decision that the people that did this to Donald Trump are not going to get away from it, with it. And they're going to hunt him down. I'm serious. They're going to hunt him down. So uh, that's Rick Wiles with True News. Well, Flynn caught Rick Wiles' attention and the attention of the, the True News crew. And they had some things to say about him. Check it out. This came out mid-October 2021. Check it out. Why is General Michael Flynn carrying around a prayer of a New Age prophetess in his wallet? Now, just in case you think somehow we're misconstruing this and everything, we, we took General Flynn's prayer, the video, and then we took Elizabeth Clare Prophet's video, and then our uh, editing team today split it up, and we're going to play them Side by side, well, going back and forth here, you tell me, you be the judge of this, and you tell me what is going on here. Here's that video. We are your instrument of those sevenfold rays and all your archangels, all of them. I am here, O oh God, and I am the instrument of those sevenfold rays and archangels. We will not retreat. We will not retreat. We will stand our ground. And I will not retreat. I will take my stand. We'll, we will not fear to speak. We will be the instrument of your will. Whatever it is. I will not fear to speak. And I will be the instrument of God's will, whatever it is. Yeah, so that's interesting. Um... What I'm picking up from this is Michael Flynn just probably went to like some, I don't know, he, he went back in the archives to try to find some prayer that he could say that would fit in line perfectly with what these people believe and boost his credibility among them, right? Being the atheist that I am and recognizing that the, all these prayers are nonsense basically anyways, but the True News crew read something differently into this. They seem to believe that he's like using a new age prayer to pretty much trick Christians into praying to a false god. That's where they are with this. That's what they seem to believe with Flynn. In my opinion, I, I think the guy just didn't really know what to say. So he probably looked some shit up and came up with a couple of ideas and then wrote something similar down. He basically plagiarized a prayer because he thought it would fit in with their belief system. But I don't know. Maybe he's a true believer. I don't know. They believe there's some kind of a an underlying satanic thing happening here where he's trying to, like, draw them in for the Antichrist or some other nonsense like that. I feel like you'd have to believe in supernatural stuff to accept something like that, and I don't. So I just it seems ridiculous from beginning to end to me. But the point here is Michael Flynn it may be burning some of his bridges in the QAnon community, if you will, uh, some of his bridges. Like, True News is a pretty big supporter of the conspiracy theories, so losing them was a pretty big deal, and he's lost others too. It's not just True News that he's lost. My guess is, with this next clip, he's trying to probably recapture some of the audience 
that he's lost so far, recapture some of the attention that he's been lacking over the past few weeks, because every now and then he gets this giant jump in attention where everybody's like, holy shit, that, that guy just said something really fucking crazy, like endorsing QAnon, for example, in the first place. And he becomes like, you know, a, a national celebrity for a moment for how crazy he, he's getting and or how deep down the rabbit hole he's going. And then he kind of fades to obscurity again. So here we are once again, mid-November 2021. He's got something new to say. Let's give this a listen. This was at a QAnon conference, I believe. Awaken America, presented by American Faith. So give this a listen. And, he's and they're talking about the United States of America. Talking about the United States of America, because when Matthew mentioned it in the Bible, he wasn't talking about the physical ground that he was on. He was talking about something in the distance. So if we are going to have one nation under God, which we must, we have to have one religion, one one. One nation under God and one religion under God, right? All of us together, working together. I don't wow, dude. That is full-blown Christian nationalist. That's disturbing. The guy wants to ostensibly name a state religion now, I guess. He wants to create a state religion. He wants, presumably, Christianity to be a state religion where you are compelled to be a Christian in the United States or you get out. I talked about this a few weeks ago, but Christian nationalism comes on, it come, kind of comes on a spectrum. It goes from the more moderate version of Christian nationalism, which, by the way, in itself is extreme. The more moderate version is you have to get out of the country if you aren't a Christian. I guess the most moderate version is you can't be in office unless you're a Christian. And then the, the slightly more extreme version is you have to get out of the country if you're not a Christian. All the way to the most extreme version, which is we're going to take you out if you don't join the state religion. This is going in an extremely disturbing direction right now, I have to say. I understand this guy is probably just trying to get attention. I get that. But the things that he's doing and saying are fucking disturbing. Anybody who loves liberty and freedom should be fucking disturbed by what they're hearing right now. There were a bunch of people retweeting this clip and talking about it and stuff, one of whom was Mrs. Betty Bowers. Odd how conservative Christians are all about other people being forced to follow a religion that they don't. Preet Baharara. Wow, look how much Michael Flynn hates America. To directly contradict the principles that the Founding Fathers enshrined in the Constitution. That seems like a real hatred of America to me. Ron Filipowski, Mandel's grandfather survived the Holocaust. Josh Mandel, we stand with General Flynn. Marianne Williamson, you guys remember her? I think this was uh, Oprah Winfrey's spiritual advisor, right? She ran for president on the Democratic ticket a while back. Uh, she's very wooey and... I don't know, kind of new agey religious. She's spiritual and she's got some real weird ideas. But my God, did she school Dave Rubin in an interview? She, he invited her on to talk, I believe. And um, she just shredded him in that interview. If you guys can find that interview, it's pretty entertaining to watch. Marianne Williamson with Dave Rubin. Anyways, Marianne Williamson said in response to Flynn, for anyone who for whatever reason doesn't know, 
religious freedom and pluralism is a bedrock constitutional principle in America. It's in the First Amendment. Whether a man believes in 20 gods or no god, neither picks my pocket nor breaks my leg. Thomas Jefferson. This article on the friendly atheist was originally written by Hemant Mehta. I haven't read the article, but I'll read the last few sentences. Even Marianne Williamson gets it. The question shouldn't be why these nutcases are promoting theocracy. The question should be why so many other Christians with large platforms aren't denouncing this immediately. That is pretty fucking disturbing. But in all fairness, a lot of the Christians in this country agree with the principles that we want. Freedom of religion. A vast majority of the United States wants freedom of religion and freedom from religion. They want the ability to choose. They want freedom, generally speaking. It's a small vocal minority that wants to take the country for Christianity by force if necessary. That vocal minority is a little bit bigger than I'm comfortable with right now, estimating somewhere around 20 to 30 million people who are in the QAnon movement and 70 to 80 million who are in the evangelical movement. That's fucking disturbing. We should be worried about that. But I know that we have moderate Christians on our side here. I know that we have people of sound mind who know how to reason through problems on our side. So I'm not too concerned that this is going to be something that happens in the near future. It would be a real challenge. But the longer time goes on, the more high-profile people call things like this out, like General Flynn coming out and saying he wants Christian nationalism, the more of that that we have, the higher the chance that it's actually going to happen one day. And that alone is pretty fucking concerning. Somebody earlier on the voicemails asked me a question. They asked me a question about whether or not I think Republicans in Congress really believe this stuff. Are they extreme or are they grifting? I said 20 years ago, even 25 years ago, I think they were scamming. They knew what they were doing. Like Rupert Murdoch, he doesn't believe any of this shit. It seems to me like Rupert Murdoch, like the owner of Fox News, I think is who that is. Hang on, let me just double check, make sure that's his name. Rupert Murdoch, yeah, he owns Fox News. I don't think he believes any of this. I think he intentionally set out to create extremists who do believe this stuff. And now we don't have scam artists in Congress, not, not as many. Now we have true believers. That should be concerning in itself. We no longer have scam artists. We have true believers now. Josh Hawley, for example, I don't think he's a scam artist. I think he really buys this stuff. Michael Flynn, for some reason, I don't think he's a true believer. I think he's a scam artist, one of the very few. There are so few people I say this about. I feel like we can't know people's intentions. We can't know for sure. I mean, Kent Hovind might be a scam artist. I know without a shadow of a doubt he's lying. He lies about evolution all the time. He's had this shit explained to him a billion times over. He knows how evolution works, but he continues to lie about it, like outright lie. Is he scamming or does he believe in Christianity so much that he believes he needs to lie to protect it? I think that's what it really is at the end. 
I don't think Ken Tobin is a scam artist. I think he's just lying to protect something that he truly believes in. I think Ken Tobin's a true believer. But uh, every now and then I come across somebody who I think is a scam artist and knows they're scamming people. It's so rare. Ben Shapiro is one of those people. He went to Harvard Law School, I think. He knows these arguments are flawed from top to bottom. Dude claims to have gotten like a 178 on his LSAT. The maximum score is like 180 or something. He's not an idiot. You can't convince me Ben Shapiro is a true believer while he gives the arguments that he gives. And it's the same with Rupert Murdoch and it's the same with Michael Flynn. I don't think for a second Michael Flynn is a true believer. I think he's a scam artist trying to seize attention and power any way he can get it. And I think he saw an opportunity in QAnon, and that's what he's doing now. But who fucking knows? Like I said before, we're not in these people's heads. We don't know. We have no way of affirming that for sure. It's just pure speculation to think they're true believers or scam artists. We have no way of knowing. Either way, what he's doing is harmful, extremely harmful and dangerous. And I hope we do get an opportunity to see some bigger Christians with bigger platforms call that shit out. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.